Blog Talk Radio. Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. I sure I'm glad you did. I'm very, very excited for uh, today's episode. We um, are continuing uh, a couple days ago. For those who uh, who don't know, uh, we we started um, a new thing here at the show. We normally have uh, bands and filmmaker people on, actors and the like, and uh, filmmakers. Um, you know, they're promoting their, their latest work or whatnot, or their new single or album, what have you. Um, but I wanted to spice things up a little bit and, uh, you know, just to mix it up a little bit. You know, this is episode 1135, um, it's, or 36, excuse me. Um, so we have to, uh, we got to keep new things, folks, just to keep it interesting, you know, um, at least for me. Uh, no, for you as well out there listening. Um, so we started doing, I wanted to add books uh, into the mix and authors and whatnot and, um, you know, put a little literary flair into it, but cool, you know, nothing uh, dull and drab. And we've had a few authors in the past um, on, and it worked out pretty well. And, you know, we wanted to go, we wanted a little bit of rock and roll, though, baby, a little bit of rock and roll. And um, Stacey uh, Lynn Wilson is is uh, curating, uh, she put together and wrote uh, in a lot of these, um, uh, an anthology of short stories, all horror-based, but with a rock and roll theme or flair, I guess, theme's a good word for it, um, encompassing three decades, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And today we're continuing on um, with several of the authors from this anthology. And um, I would like to just introduce everybody here. We've got Darren Gordon-Smith on with us and Leanne Rowe. uh, Hopefully I'm saying Leanne's name right. Uh, Mark Wheaton and Ruthann Jag, I believe it's pronounced. I could be wrong on that. Um, Please correct me, uh, guests, if if I am. Hello and welcome, all of you. Thank you. Hey. Hello. How's everybody doing today? Great. Awesome for a third capital. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> super, super, super. Well, it's very exciting. I am not through all three books yet. I'm about 75% uh, through them. Um, I've been reading like mad, but there's these aren't 20-page books. These, these are a, a substantial book. <laughs> uh, group of stories, so I'm, I'm doing the best I can, folks. But, man, what I've read so far is, is amazing, uh, just amazing. Um, why don't we go around the room, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll introduce everybody and kind of give a little bit of back, your background, because one of the cool things about this is um, when Stacey was telling me about this, she, I'm like, oh, so you know a bunch of authors. And she says, well, yes, but they all do other stuff, other cool yeah. stuff, too. And um, 
I just thought that was fantastic. So let's start out. Let's start out with the ladies. Uh, Leanne uh, Rowe, Ro, I mm-hmm. pronounce. Tell yes. us about yes, you are correct. You yourself. Uh, my name is Leanne. I am uh, predominantly a voice actor, uh, an actor, a writer. Uh, I kind of do, I, I wear many hats, but uh, I just enjoy <laughs> being me, I guess. That's awesome. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> I hope, for those who don't know, a little behind the scenes, Leanne just was doing some pretty uh, extensive traveling. I hope that all went well and everything for you. It it was, it was. I, I had a family member that kind of had a minor surgery, and I wanted to check in on them, and everything has been fine. So, you know, and then I, I don't think I'll be traveling again for quite a while, but. <laughs> well, I hear you, I hear you. I'm in South Florida, man, and I'm telling you, every day it's just the alarm bells are ringing, but nobody's doing anything. It's crazy. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Ruthanne, how about you? Now, you got involved uh, with this uh, early on, I believe, right, this project? Yeah, yeah. Hi, Jamie. Hey, and congratulations on all the episodes. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, um, I'm Ruthanne, and it's pronounced Jaggy, and I'm talking to you from our cattle ranch in the middle of South Texas. Um, And I'm predominantly an author, sometimes reviewer, a little bit of an editor, and I did get involved early on. I've been connected with Stacy for a while. She's just so multi-talented and dynamic. And when she mentioned the project to me and asked if I would contribute, uh, she gave me some options. I could have contributed to any of the editions, but the 71 uh, kind of screamed at me a little bit. I mean, all three of them were just such incredible eras from music and rock stars and drama and everything that went along with it. So when she asked me to be an invited editor, I really kind of jumped out of it. And it's it's just been so much fun. And I think you mentioned on one of your previous episodes that her covers just absolutely do the series so much justice. And I think there's a lot of attention being given to the books, not only by the readers um, who like the dark speculative fiction genre, but also people in the movie business so um, and, the, and the music business. So um, they're really interesting and exciting and original. I haven't seen anything like them. Um, I'm published in about 15 anthologies currently, with more coming this year, and my first standalone novel will be published in January 22. So thanks for having me. Wow. Wow, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's a lot. Mr. Mark Wheaton, tell us about yourself. Um, I guess I met Stacy about 20 years ago when we were both young junket reporters in Hollywood covering um, just junkets and red carpets and set visits and stuff. And so getting kind of a close-up view of the cynical but also kind of the fun parts of Hollywood, uh, you just kind of become – as members of the same tribe that way. And we uh, just got to know each other pretty well then. And then um, when she invited me to join this, I've been following, as Ruthann said, there's so much stuff that she does. And the intersection of horror and rock and roll and all the, the story titles she came up with, it was just, I just, flattered to be asked and it was very fun to contribute <laughs> and be one of those 
5,000 projects that she is always putting out there, like her Ventures documentary, yeah. which is fantastic. It was just fun to be involved in the, the hurricane of talent and distribution and all of this that uh, Stacey is. So. Oh, I know. Well, they were saying in the last episode about just uh, the the time how how quickly she gets stuff done too because mm-hmm. sometimes things move slow but not in Stacy world not right. in Stacy world mm-hmm. now Darren Gordon Smith she, she's just tell such us a about, pro oh yeah oh fantastic Darren tell us a little bit about your background very interesting uh, yeah okay well I I well start out by saying that I met Stacy about twelve years ago. Um, I was doing a movie which I I wrote called Repo the Genetic Opera, and uh, she came out to uh, Toronto to do a press junket, and that's how I met her. And that's a that that itself is a movie which is a it's a a, a horror rock and roll rock opera horror musical basically. Um, Absolutely. And so, yeah, so mm. she and I hit it off from the start. And we worked on a bunch of things together. And um, in addition to the books that we're talking about today, uh, Stacy and I collaborated on a story which we've now uh, just produced into a movie, which we're looking for distribution on. Uh, but I wanted to say about, yeah, about what a juggernaut Stacy is. We started working on the, this, it's called the second um, Age of Aquarius, and that's the name of this movie that was coming out. Uh, she she started it out saying, "Let's write a story together." So she goes, "I'll write a I'll write a chapter, then you write a chapter, and so forth." We went back. She'd write a chapter. I'd pour over it for like two days. Come back with a chapter. Write it off my list. And no sooner than about an hour and a half later, she'd already written her chapter. So I just no, like, oh my god. <laughs> I just wrote it off my list, Stacy. How can you be so fast? <laughs> so uh, she is unbelievable. So um, she's good for me because I tend to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, detail and, you know, I got to get this right and the plants need to line up properly before this gets out. Um, you know, she's a perfectionist too, but she really gets things done quick. No, oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Well, you know, I really, when I first heard about the uh, the idea of this, when she we were talking about it um, uh, via messaging on uh, Facebook, I think it was, uh, then quickly switched to uh, email. But, um, you know, I, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, what a perfect combination. What a great marriage. Um, because horror, the idea of horror just has its, its so many roots. Um and web strings just strung throughout the history of rock and roll, you know? Uh, yeah, you know, even from the, the, the myths of uh, the, the mythology of, you know, Robert Johnson at the crossroads with, you know, and the more blues, I guess, but still I'd put that in the rock genre. Um, you know, and then the whole, I grew up in the 80s, and man, I tell you, um, parents were pissed about rock music, you know? And it was awesome. <laughs> That made us love it all the more. Um, you know, it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> I bought a lot of posters because, uh, you know, Moms was mad. Um, it's very, and all my friends did as well. Um, and a lot of albums. 
Were you guys always rock fans um, when you approached this, or was it something new for you? We can go through the list uh, if, if you want to. Yeah, well, what was um, interesting with me was I went to school for musical theater. <laughs> uh, my mm-hmm. dad was really into 70s rock, but when I got to California, I ended up being a logistics supervisor for a bunch of different bands for their merchandise and stuff for about oh, a okay. decade. And occasionally they would throw me out to vend concerts and to go places, and then that job eventually I kind of entered more into audio and, and don't do that anymore. But when Stacy brought it up, I was like, yeah, I have this very interesting background with rock music and, and just bands and tours and things. So it was really great to kind of dive back into this world. But I was always into music like from the beginning. So it seemed like a perfect fit. Like it's a shoe. Uh, I, I think awesome. you touched on a, a very evoca- yeah. evocative point there, Jamie, that uh, horror and, and rock music are, are very emotional. Um, they get responses from people, either you love it or you hate it type thing. Um, so that was that was a really good point that you brought up, that there's so many similarities between the two. Um, controversy, a little bit sometimes, yes. Um, I grew up in upstate New York and lived near Syracuse University, so I got mm. to see a lot of the classic rock groups before the tickets were $500 a ticket, plus your $300 Ticketmaster add-on fee. Um, you know, we could, we could go hang out, and I got to see Springsteen and Kiss and Bon Jovi and everybody for 25 bucks on a Friday night. So, yeah, right. rock and roll and just the whole genre was always a big part of my life, too. Oh, that's fantastic. How about you, Mark? I thought you I'm sorry, I thought she was going to say, like, about horror. It's like, I grew up near Syracuse, so I know horror. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would have been possible. I'm kidding. You nailed it. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. That's funny. Mark, were you a rock? I got out as soon as I could. <laughs> I guess, I mean, one of the first things that ever I remember being a kid and one of the first things that ever really gave me nightmares was that uh, I think I was at a department store with my mom and I saw that Bark at the Moon album cover from the old Ozzy Osbourne album and I remember Mm -hmm. having nightmares from that and nightmares from like Dio album covers and Iron Maiden (laughs) and just these were the monsters I'm I'm from North uh, from Dallas from Texas and everybody there would wear these monsters and I never made the correlation to like Wolfman or Frankenstein. Those things didn't scare me. It was all these mm. like kind of metal monsters when I was five and six years old. And oh, that I kind of it. drew me into the music because I wanted to know what was this scary band Slayer? What was this Ozzy Osbourne? So it seduces you into it. And then, you know, when you finally have a job and <laughs> make enough money, you start going to the shows and you're like, wow, yeah, this mm-hmm. is this is very. This is where I belong. Well, oh, even, absolutely. Uh, speaking from personal experience, when you go to bands like that, when it's like heavy metal or more kind of darker rock, they are the coolest fans. They they tip. They buy you drinks. Like they they help you carry all your stuff. Like if you go to like you know kind of girly you know teeny bopper bands, you, you get no help. But when you're there, like they almost they practically do your job for you. That's how cool the fans are. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And they buy all the merch. It's really great, you know. <laughs> How about you, Darren? No, 
coming as a as a musician and whatnot. Were were you were you a rocker? Were you were you you know were you into all that uh, when you were a youngster? Yeah, but yeah, um, I went to. She's talking about the music theater major. I was a music major mm-hmm. at NYU, and uh, I, mm. I played around New York and in, in professionally for a long time. Uh, before coming to LA, so yeah, I you know I'm classically trained, but I but mainly I'm into rock and roll, and I think the first band that really got me started was Led Zeppelin. I just like that kind of idea of the darkness with the light, oh, the yeah. light and the shade, the whole you know it was just fast, slow, you know things are where there's just almost like you know the hammer of the gods. It's it's Dionysian. It's over the top. Um, I oh, that's the kind of music I. Yeah, that's what I especially love. And I had a, it was great because uh, one of the stories that's in, in the, that I wrote in, in the series is with with Stacy is is called "Hip to Be Scared," and essentially it's a horror um, it's a horror story where the antagonist is not a, really a person. It's the decade of the 1980s. <laughs> that was scary enough for me. <laughs> and I just thought of all the times when people are younger, they'll be like, oh, I wish I'd lived during the 1980s. It was so cool and innocent and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, you want to know what the 1980s was like? Just look out the window. <laughs> it was exactly the same. And I'll take away your cell phone <laughs> and your computer. That's the difference. We, it was a horror show where people would sit around – I swear to God, we were just sitting around bored waiting for the Internet to be invented. We were like, how many, stupid, how many stupid drunk games would be like, I swear to God, I know he was in that original Dio's band or whatever. It's like nowadays you just look it right up. How many stupid things do you have these arguments about? And blah, blah, blah. There's just nothing. I mean, I'll, obviously, I, I'm over-exaggerating. I love the 80s. love some of the music. had great times. But if I had to compare the two decades, and I've lived through them both, I'd say that one sucked. And, and, and that's why I made, I made this story. Whereby in, in the story I'm talking about, hip to be scared, these two young folks are basically – they, they they take a bet from some old rock star and says, you couldn't even last one weekend in the 1980s. And they're like, well, they just think it's a joke. Like, how can you even bet on something that could never even happen? Well, it turns out he sends them back to the 1980s. And I won't go into all of it except to say they couldn't handle one fucking weekend in the 1980s. Oh, I know. That's funny. You go, do you think like when you wait like in between bands, let's say, you know, today everybody's got a phone. You think about what well, you know. You're in line. You're waiting for someone. Back then, you were just alone with your goddamn thoughts. <laughs> and if that's not scary enough, I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that's probably why that some of us so... write horror at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. 
If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. This is a message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Older adults and people of any age who have serious underlying medical conditions are at higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. If you are at higher risk, you should stay home as much as possible and avoid close contact with people who are sick to protect yourself. Call your doctor if you have concerns about COVID-19 and your medical condition or if you get sick. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Metal Babe Mayhem is more than just an online store, it's a destination. MetalBabeMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Babe Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrate, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember... T-O-S-O-T-S dot com. Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, she's a fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, the quotable Edison, quotable Henry Ford, uh, quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and, of course, the quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very, very cool, um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes & Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A. L-B-I-O-N.com. MichelleAubion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. I remember, I, um, like I said, I grew up in the 80s, and I was more of a new wave kid, you know. I was, one of the, I was a weird art mm-hmm. student, you know. And, um, but all my friends were rockers. All of them were rockers. So I was around that type of music. Now everybody was in a band. Everybody wanted to be the next Eddie Van Halen. And, um, matter of fact, I remember having a conversation with a bunch of my friends. They, 
they had formed a band, and there was like nine of them. And I, I had to explain to them, I'm like, guys, somebody, <laughs> you guys are going to have to learn to play another instrument. You can't just have nine guitars and that's it. It <laughs> works. Um, you know? But when I got out of college, I went to college in Boston, and then I moved to Southern California. And when I, I was so excited because I had grown up seeing the Sunset Strip. And it just, you know, I'm like, I'm going to go hang out with people in limos, and everybody's going to have great hair and, you know, girls in spandex. <laughs> it's going to be great. Some of the guys in spandex, most of them. Anyway, so I get out there. I go to, um, you know, the Sunset Strip, and this is like 1996. 97 and rock was just kind of not very prevalent at the time. It was all coffee house acoustic guys, you know, singing songs about the girls coming, trying to come back. And, you know, it was just, it was really lame. I was like so disappointed because I'd missed it by a decade, you know, apparently. <laughs> um, but I'm glad to hear that the 80s weren't that great because maybe I didn't. <laughs> Maybe MTV messed it up a little bit. That's all I'm saying, um, and I'm sure they did. The but, music of the music wow. was the music was great. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, even going back to the '60s, you know, I remember. I'll never forget. I went through a punk phase, and um, I came downstairs. I I'd give myself one of those Clash thick mohawks, and uh, I was just gonna. The first people I was going to piss off were my parents, you know. It was going to be great. I had it all worked out in my head. And, you know, I come downstairs, and my father looks at me, and he goes, oh, you're going through your rebellious phase now. That's cool. You know, it looks kind of weird, but whatever. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, man, I was in the 60s, you know. You don't, you don't. What are you, first off, what are you rebelling against? That you live in a nice house? <laughs> you know, that everything you want? Um, he goes, you know, you, you you got nothing to bitch about. But um, he goes, you know, you you don't know rebellion. And, you know, later in life you find out, well, yeah, he was right. <laughs> you know, they, they had way more. Uh, and I think it was reflected in the music even uh, so much more. You know, it was, I don't know. I don't, I do this. I'm, all I'm saying, folks, and, and don't be mad at me, uh, listeners, but I just don't think people in the 60s, could have related to Susudio by, you know, Genesis. It just wouldn't have worked, but it worked in the, in the 80s. So I don't know. Craziness, craziness. Let me ask you guys yeah. about the, the logistics of working on an anthology. And, um, you know, I mean, you get, is it like you get an assignment kind of type deal, like you're in school almost, and then you have to complete it and send it in? Um, and is there a bunch of rewrites that have to happen? How does it all work? Um, Ruthanne, let's start with you. Um, well, there, there's a couple ways to approach it. Um, if there's an open call, and at this point I'm really grateful that I don't have to do as many as I used to, you submit, and generally there's a theme that's applied um, to the anthology, and there'll be guidelines, word count, and that type of thing, and you submit. And I will say that before COVID, um, there were less submissions. It seems like in the past year and a half, many, many, many more people are writing and submitting, which is awesome. Um, and then you get to a point, um, like this, this example of myself being involved with Stacy, and you're issued an invitation, and it's, hey, I'm coming up with this project. 
I'd like it to have a cohesive theme. And I think uh, Stacy mentioned in her segment with you that she was familiar with the people she was inviting to participate in this mm. particular series of books so that she knew that all of us had a certain style that, were go- that was going to mesh well together. Um, generally, an editor or a publisher like Stacy has a vision for the project, and they do want it to be cohesive to a certain extent, and they like the styles to kind of hang. So then you're, in, you're invited. Um, Stacy had a very specific framework in mind. I mean, her clarity is just genius, and she knew exactly how she wanted the different eras to be portrayed. She had some different title suggestions. Um, I actually came up with my own title suggestion on my own, bumping off a couple of things she had done. The name of my story in the 70s edition is Tiny Danger. It's a playoff Elton John's Tiny Dancer. But honestly, right. it was inspired by the iconic scene in Almost Famous where they're singing the song on the bus. Um, you know, every, mm. every so often, like every three months, we all have to watch that movie. It's just such a perfect coming-of-age film. Um, yeah. So my story played off that. Oh, it is. It's the absolute best. Um, and, of course, the costuming and the wardrobe and everything like that came into play for me and my story and my character. But basically, um, when, you, when you're at a certain level of writing or you've got a little bit of a platform or a resume under your feet, um, people know what to expect from your writing. They know you can handle what they're throwing out. So normally there's a word count. And Stacy just said, have at it. Um, I think I had a nice. couple of tiny edits that she threw back at me, most specifically because we had to be particularly careful with this series of books because you didn't want to copyright infringe. You could suggest, right. you could imply, you could even quote to a certain extent, but you can't get into downright copyright issues when it comes to songs, bands, that kind of thing. So um, her her uh, her call or her invite was pretty loose compared to a lot of them. A lot of them are much more rigid, um, but it's it's just it was a delight to be asked. So. Um, yeah, there, there's a process, but it's a pretty simple one if you work with Stacy because she's such a pro at it all. That's awesome. That's awesome. How about you, Mark? Would, did you find the, the approach to this uh, equally as, as free and whatnot? Well, it was interesting because when she uh, – there were a bit more, um, I guess, guardrails because some anthologies are very, very broad and um, this – she was very specific about here's a list of titles and I've always come up with, you know, my own titles and I was like, Oh, that's odd. But mm-hmm. then as soon as I saw them, they're all funny and they're all clever and they all <laughs> kind of referred to something very specific. And so it was very easy to pick one. Mine was called dead over heels. Um, and I was just, once you start working in that, once you start coloring in her kind of tone and kind of working towards that, I actually found it very, fun because you are trying to match nice. her tone. I've read a lot of Stacey's writing mm-hmm. and you're trying to do something fun, but creepy, but rock and roll. And so you're, it's, you know, your editor as an editor, but you also know her as a writer. So you're really trying to be part of an ensemble. And so as crazy as I got to go with the story, it was really nice to know kind of the tone that it wouldn't be one of those anthologies where, there's a funny story, and then there's something out of left field, and there's not a lot of cohesion. You really understood going in that this, that there was a really firm editorial uh, vision here. 
just really interesting mm-hmm. to write a story and try to match that and try to do the best version of a crazy Go-Go's at Six Flags kind of story that you can, <laughs> as opposed to just like, okay, so it's a cabin in the woods and somebody's a werewolf. And you're just like, okay, there's a hundred of those stories being submitted to every anthology. <laughs> where it's just like, okay, we're looking for stuff that takes place in the woods. And you're like, yeah, okay. Or some, or cold weather horror. And you're just like, yeah, okay. This was like, no, you need to be this, this, this. Here's your word count. Here's this. Here's what I've done before. Go. And you're like, oh, okay. That's a, it's a new, ch- I enjoy writing because I enjoy the challenge. And this was really, really mm. fun to do. And I'm glad she liked the story. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, Leanne, um, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I know you've done um, – well, this would apply to Gordon – or Darren, I mean, uh, as, as well. Um, both of you guys – let's start with Leanne um, – have, have done um, screenwriting and whatnot and, uh, and, and, and voice – you know, converting stuff for for voice acting and and uh, and on, on audio mm-hmm. tracks and whatnot. Was it weird putting on a hat of a, a short story author, or have you done that before? Uh, well, I uh, I I had come to know Stacy by working doing audio for her Immortal Confessions book with my narrating partner Graydon, who was on on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got kind of very in-depth in, in her, the way that she writes and her, her voice and her flow. But I'd also listen to, she has another horror anthology called uh, City of Devils that uh, Graydon had also narrated. So I was very familiar with that. Um, so when she approached me, uh, I was very excited. I actually have predominantly only written romance novels on the side. Uh, so I was mm. kind of excited to get out of the historical romance kind of paranormal feel and like really get down and dirty um, but then I found myself, even in the, the story that I did write, it's called uh, Comfortably Dumb. Uh, and <laughs> there were moments where I was like, I could make this cutesy and like lovable and like very kind of romantic. And I had to like pull myself back from it because I was like, no, you got to get out of this safe zone and actually, you know, do horror. So this is actually my first anthology. And I was kind of nervous. Like, I didn't know when I gave it to her, I was like, how am I going to get at it? What is she going to say? Um, and it was actually a beautiful, wonderful process, and it just, uh, nice. she had some suggestions, and we worked together, but it was never, like, grueling, or, like, you never really felt under a deadline that you had to, like, work really hard to get to, uh, so she was very open and creative, and just very much a yes-and uh, woman to work with. She was just fantastic. All the way That's around. awesome. But we're also doing the audio of the 70s version. So it's a different feeling, too, <laughs> to have written it and then see us uh, narrating it. And, like, Ruthanna, we just uh, recorded your story a couple days ago. <laughs> and so oh, reading something and then actually doing it aloud is a completely different experience. And it's, it's so much fun. Like, it just, it's so creative. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, yeah. Darren, how about uh, same type of question? I mean, here you are. You're, you're writing these, you know, and, and it's I, I I would say cult classic, but I think that doesn't do it justice. It's just such a cool cool um, thing. Repo the genetic opera, you know, is, is you know that's, that's gold, baby. It's gold. Um, Thank you. Toning it down and, and bringing it, bringing your magic down to a short story level, is that a difficult process to do? 
I think it really is. I mean, you know, the, the, the thing is with, I mean, it certainly helps to be writing with Stacey for all the things we all talked about. And by the way, I love that comfortably dumb. That's that's a great. Okay. <laughs> I know. I love it too. I, yeah, I, I was so. But but I actually, to go to your point, uh, was we uh, there's a there's a story in the in the anthology. It's called "It's My Party," and I can cry if I want. To, I can die if I want to. And that mm-hmm. story is taken from a screenplay that Stacy and I wrote. Uh, which is called Almost Fatal. So it's kind of like the almost <laughs> famous thing, except right. it adds horror stuff in it. Anyway, we did the we did the, the thing, and we didn't end up producing the film, but we said, well, let's, let's make it into the screen, uh, into a story. And honestly, my mind just thinks in terms of screenplays. Like, you know, it's just like mm. we all have watched billions of movies. You know, you see something, you write it down, from the standpoint of what the audience is seeing. Now, if I'm writing these short stories, it's so complicated. And i got to think, who am I, you know, am I omniscient? Am I, you know, am, am I, is this in the second person? Are we doing this in, in, in which case this story I'm talking about, we did it in the present tense, not in the past tense. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's just so many, there's so many things to to think about that you don't have to think about when you're doing the screenplay. At least I don't. Right, right. Well, you know, I'm sure the I had the exact opposite. Um, you no, know, no, I've never written. I've never written a short story. I, the only thing I've ever written is you know stuff in school and whatnot, um, and, and that's no fun. But um, I remember when I moved to uh, Southern California, I used, suddenly I, w- I was hanging out with a few musicians, but mostly I was hanging out with film people. Everybody I met was trying to make movies, you know, and mm. everybody wanted to be the, the new Quentin Tarantino. That was the, the thing then. And, um, y- you know, I found myself reading uh, some screenplays that friends had written and this and that, and I had never read a screenplay. And it was so foreign to me because I only read stuff in book form before. And I'm mm. like, wow, this is, this is crazy. I loved it but because it, it, was, it was new and exciting. Um, but yeah, that, that's interesting. That is definitely interesting. Um, Leanne, I gotta say, I agree with Darren completely. The comfortably dumb is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, it I'm was just, actually I'm, a very interesting process of how that title came about. Was that uh, Stacy was saying, you know, a song with like a different word changed. And at first, I thought, oh, I'm gonna do that song from the Bee Gees uh, uh, joke. But I thought the actual title was mm. I started the joke that started the whole world dying. And I thought, oh, I'm going to – I'm crying. I was like, change it to dying. That would be hilarious. And then she's like, that was a lyric. That's <laughs> not the song. And then it kind of <laughs> – well, like, what's something that's fun? <laughs> and then I went – she said, you could say joke or choke. And I was really wanting to do something that was very close to me. And I think the first time I ever heard Pink Floyd, I was in the musical theater school in New York. And this friend sat down and played Comfortably Numb – on the piano and it just instant fan for life. And oh, so yeah. I was like, yeah, let's do, let's do comfortably dumb. Uh, <laughs> it's such a beautiful song, even in orchestra, you know, it's or orchestration. It's just gorgeous. Mm. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. So. When you, when you, when you originally said comfortably dumb, I haven't got to that part in the books yet. When in my reading and okay. I'm looking forward to it. 
much, very much so now. <laughs> but it, immediately, um, you know, the, the scene in the movie, uh, are all these your guitars? Where he brings the groupie home. I'm like, yep, uh, I can see it. <laughs> she was kind of dumb for going home with him. <laughs> it worked out well. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, I didn't mean to spoil anything. People, if you haven't seen Pink Floyd, so I don't know what to tell you, man. It's been out for, what, 40 uh, years now? Um, you should yeah, have Yeah, and we the Pink Floyd experience in L.A. now that you can go. And I really ah. want to go. It's, like, visual and, art- and artistic. Like, I just, ugh. But um, it's a little bit expensive, but I want to do it. Like, it's on, it's on my list now. Now that I have a uh, they, story, you know, off of one of their titles, I got to do it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www.jamierox.us. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.loveshackapothecary.com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Hey there, my name is Paige Beatty, and I am the founder of Hats On and Hats Off, which are two separate companies but aligned by the same philosophy of raising cancer awareness and forming smiles. 
Hats On is a for-profit corporation that sells cancer-specific hats to be proudly worn by you in hopes of raising awareness. A percentage of the proceeds will be donated to Hats Off, which is a non-profit corporation raising money to buy wigs for cancer patients who can't afford them. That's where we're forming smiles. I believe cancer has touched almost everyone's lives in one way or another. A friend, a family member, a friend of a friend. So please, visit our website, www.hatsonhatsoff.com to learn how you can help raise awareness and form smiles. Rocks Gear, the online web shop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings. From La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. So let me ask you guys this. We just came out of a, a year and a half lockdown. Um, I, I half-jokingly uh, put it on my description on Facebook. I, I'm an amateur futurist. I never saw this coming. I don't think anybody on the planet saw it coming. Um, or maybe Bill Gates or somebody. I don't know. Somebody above my pay grade. Was, was working during the pandemic, I'm a painter by trade, really didn't affect me other than my wife being home because she doesn't work from home, and, and that was weird to get used to the, the new rhythm of that. Um, as, as writers and doing the other stuff that you guys do, how did you handle the pandemic? And I hope all everybody's people were, were, were okay. Uh, you know, your tribe was okay. I know, Ruthann, I saw a post you had posted on Facebook, and my condolences uh, for your friend. Terrible, terrible. Um, yeah, that but was just yesterday. How, yeah, thank you, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I, I at first my reaction when I read that, I, I wanted to share that just so people, you know, know that this is real and and things like this are mm-hmm. happening. And then I thought, eh, I don't know this person, I can't really do that. But um, how did Ruth? How did you find, other than that tragedy, of course, um, working over the past year and a half? In this um, honestly, world Jamie, um, yeah, it, it is it, it is a different world, but um, I will say this, and I don't mean it to sound arrogant or egotistical, I because it gave me something to absolutely absorb my time and energy with so that I didn't get caught up in all the crazy swirling around us, which continues to swirl. Mm. Um, my life is generally, I, I have kind of an unusual life. I live in a big cattle ranch in the middle of nowhere. Um, so right. even though I'm 50 miles west of San Antonio, which is a very large city in Texas, um, so the fact that I was isolated more or less physically was a good, bad thing. It made part of it a little more challenging, um, keeping in touch with people a little more challenging, getting what we needed, especially at the onset, a little more challenging. But in terms mm. of creativity and being able to really lock down and get into it, I feel I absolutely thrived. Um, I really hadn't had much expe- experience with uh, formally, professionally publishing and writing until about a year and a half ago. I had always done creative things and I had always written, um, but I started submitting and I was very, very, very fortunate. I connected to some very good, very strong people right out of the gate. And for me, it really, 
I, I think horror in general, and there's so much you can say about the genre. It takes in so much more than just blood and guts. It takes in a much broader description of the word. But I think it's cathartic for a lot of people in a lot of ways because it does evoke emotion. So for me, I just drew myself into it, came up with some absolutely incredible stories, um, got some wonderful contract signs, some beautiful things for the feature. Um, And I do wish that for all of us and for everybody. Um, But for me, um, because I was so isolated and because I really – I wasn't working outside the home. I wasn't doing the things with my people that I normally do. Um, It gave me the freedom to just lock down and get a little crazy in my writing. Um, So for me, it was great. Nice, nice. How about you, Mark? Yeah. Um, Last year and a half, how did you find yourself in the middle of all this? I guess Um, my wife is a studio exec, and she was overseeing Mm shoots in Toronto and Vancouver and Chicago. So she wasn't on set. So she was doing her job from the kitchen table. So um, my kids were home from school. So a lot of it was dashing in, getting them started with their school, their Zoom school days when that resumed, snacks, lunches, all of that, and just writing in between. Um, I Mm. do. And so I would work I started getting up like four in the morning and so I'd work for a pocket there and just right. and then you when you're working I, I do books and I do uh screenplays and you get these contracts that were like this option period begins when studios reopen but for outside <laughs> meetings and you're like that could be three years from now and it's so the language uh-huh. kind of changed quickly on production. Everything was kind of moving so Something you think is going to happen um, a week from now suddenly is a month later. Then there were the the wood costs. Fell out. Mm. And so publishing changed because you couldn't print books. When Obama's book came right. out, they printed it in Germany because it was way too expensive to print in America, and that began to impact publishing. And so there all right. these different things kept coming in, and so you try to just escape enough to put the business and the kids and the family and all of that aside to kind of nail down like three or four hours of writing a day to escape into that. And once that routine started, it was fine, but there were always curveballs with my wife's work, with production, with stuff I was working on um, for work work, which is film stuff or book work. And it just, and it was all from where I'm sitting right now in my home office. And it was just, it was isolating, but it was thrilling trying to solve problems. But then very unexpected things kept coming up, and it just, I don't know, it didn't change what I wrote, but it did. You had to fight your way into a routine, or at least I did. You had to, I had to fight my way into a routine in order to keep going, given all this new kind of outside stuff. So it was interesting. <laughs> Crazy, crazy. I didn't even think about the wood thing affecting publishing. I, you know, and it makes sense. It's logical. Believe me, I, I, I'm on this new kick of organic gardening um, since the pandemic, and, and I put off doing my dragon fruit because I'm like, well, wood, I'm not paying that for a two-by-four yeah. to make dragon fruit trellises. Um, we'll do that next year or the year yeah. after. <laughs> but, yeah, man, 
Books expensive, yeah, because the paper. That's where it's from, man. Wow, I never even thought about that. Never even think about that. Darren, how about you? Now, you're based in Toronto, right? I what? You're based in Toronto? Are you in L.A.? Yeah, I'm in L.A. Is that what you asked? That? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. I was uh, just thinking about what you said about the dragon fruit, and I was trying to come up with a good title <laughs> for that. But that giving up the dragon fruit or something like that. Um, well, <laughs> I love how his mind know, works. <laughs> Well, in terms of the, the pandemic, it, it didn't really uh, affect me so much because I generally work at home anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just more to the extent of, like, you're not going out to coffee houses, to, you know, or going out anywhere right. just doing your thing. And sometimes it would be funny to be like, my wife would be, she works at home too. She's, uh, she'd be like, well, why are you sitting in that chair? And I'm like, during the pandemic, every third Tuesday of the month, I sit in this chair. <laughs> it's like, that's how boring I am. <laughs> it's like, nothing to do. So that's my thing on the third Tuesday of each month. But, you know, one thing that I did think was really important is, uh, you know, putting aside, like you said, I mean, this is just a, the pandemic is a horrible human tragedy for so many people. Uh, so there's nothing good to have come of it. However, I do feel like, uh, number one, I had more time to write. And number two, mm. I had no excuses because I hear this all the time from people, and I know I do it myself sometimes, to be like, I don't have time. I, I could mm. write all this stuff if I had the time to do it, but i got to do it. Now you find out during the past year and a half how many people had the time, but they couldn't get it up to do it. They're bored. Right. Now, before they are saying they got not enough time to do anything they want to do. Now they had all the time to do a lot of stuff they could have done, but they're bored and they can't do it. They can't, you know. So I think, I do think amongst all of us who are talking here, we're probably similar in that we're self-motivated, right? I mean, nobody's mm. putting a gun to our head right Absolutely. now to write this, right. and, and yeah. except Stacy occasionally. <laughs> but but, but kind of that, you 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 do have a self thing, you know. You, this is how. But I know a lot of people do not have that. And even that right. being said, I did have to stop myself from just just going down a rabbit hole of complete, you know, being lazy. So it, it is a tough thing. But I I do feel like for me, this um, this time of 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 being at home and writing, it's only like really just honed. Uh, my thoughts about what I want to do in life, things I don't want to do in life, you know, I, it, so it's been a very positive experience if you can, you know, put aside the human tragedy aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Leanne, um, do, you, mm-hmm. do you work from home when you're doing your, your audio stuff and your voice uh, acting I, and whatnot? I, I do. I do. Um I, uh, at, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was actually in a musical play uh, about the Brothers Grimm, and I was cast opposite of Graydon, mm-hmm. which is how we met. And we had been huh? talking one day, and he said, wouldn't it be great if we tried to do this book together? And we thought, okay. And I actually have this studio built in my backyard, and we went and kind of started playing around with the idea of working together, and then the pandemic comes. 
And mm. if anything, um, he is the reason that I made it through the pandemic because we, we buckled <laughs> down. It became our escape, our way to focus. It also, like we were working 12, 12 hours a day, uh, and we were in a bubble. Like it was, it was him, my husband, and me, and that was about it for a year and a half. And we wow. would just come in, we'd work together, we'd keep going. Like it gave us, uh, like you said, no good can come from the pandemic, but we were able to get the foundation of a really good business underway, which I never would have been able to do uh, beforehand because I was working like six different jobs. Like it would have happened probably over the course of many months as opposed to like a couple mm-hmm. weeks. Uh, but it was so much more than that because then the people that you did see, like you spent the holidays together, like they became the people you had for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. Like it was emotional right. supportive and like your creative juices, like he became more than a narrating partner, became like the business partner and, you know, like the only best friend that you got to see. Uh, but yeah, so we well, having the studio in the backyard is great. The only downside is there is no air conditioning. So Mm. Uh, you know, we would have to work around that, but at some point, I would love to have it. But it, you know, you, I always say you upgrade as as you can. So, like having it back yeah, there, absolutely. Is great, but yeah, but I also uh, not having to spend all those hours in LA traffic. Um, I got back my writing time because I used to write a lot, and then I really went into audio, and I very much missed that other side of me. It just kind of turned down to, like, what's lucrative and necessary at the time. So I was able to go back into writing, and I brought uh, Graydon with me. And we just had a lot of a lot of creative, I guess, experiences. So complete kismet that it all kind of the stars aligned right before uh, we went into hiding for so long. So. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's, it's, it's so surreal. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because I, I have a lot of friends that, you know, I, I talk to – um, that have tried things that they had wanted to try and then realized how difficult it was. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, I, I, oh, man. I did fail to mention, because you were talking about gardening, I also went back to gardening and, like, created, kept my streak of slowly watching plants die. Um, <laughs> I really wanted those. <laughs> I even, I had the best effort. I bought a greenhouse. The wind blew it over. And like one point I was like, I have a bell pepper. And I had a little one. And then they just, and I, every four or five years I buy plants and I watch them die. And I guess that's the dark side. So my hat for making them survive. Well, you know, the, the secret here, it's no, well, it's no big secret. It, it's easy where I'm at in South Florida because it's a tropical climate. Anything, a blade of grass grows three feet here. You know, I mean, it's um, it's hard not to grow stuff here. Um, Did you yeah, have the, the problem of people in the pandemic? I have a lemon tree. And um, mm. once once everything went on lockdown, all the neighbors thought, oh, these are free linens. And then, like, after the course of a couple of weeks, I had no linens. <laughs> and, oh, no. and I had to keep on – I put up signs and things because they didn't want to go out. But they just kept on coming by and just bags. I had a family come right. by with, like, huge bags to take linens. Does that happen to you? <laughs> we have a giant mango tree. It used to, I tell you, it happened until – a couple years ago, um, my wife got me a dog, and uh, her name's Mayling. She's a Sharpay. She looks very cute. She doesn't sound it. All of our neighbors call her Murder Dog May, and um, she's <laughs> very, 
<laughs> she's just saying hello, but it sounds to everybody else that, you know, she wants to eat your spine. But, um, yeah, it keeps away. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we don't get Jehovah Witnesses stopping by. <laughs> Nobody stops by. <laughs> All because of mailing. <laughs> You know, that's that's how it is. No, but I hear you, man. I people are people are weird. That was my big fear I, when this first the pandemic first started. I I wasn't worried so much. And this is terrible to say. I wasn't worried about the medical aspects of it. You know, I wasn't concerned for um, our health. Uh, my mind, because I've seen so many movies over the years, and what I'm like, oh, it's Mad Max. I I I want to be the guy with the mohawk on the motorcycle, not the guy chained to the motorcycle behind him. And we have to we have to set things up properly. Um, it's not going to happen. Um, I don't wear a, a welded collar well. Anyhow, that's a whole other thing. And a whole another anthology of books. Um, I'm liking it. I'm, I'm sure liking there's it. one else. Yeah, me too. I like oh. it. We could all write a story right now. That's it. That's it. Jamie, you have no idea who you're talking to. You're giving us so much food for for, for thought here. I know. Oh, oh, man. The the lemon tree, the mango tree, the welded collars. Oh, baby. The only question in my mind is Jamie die in the story or not? Oh, oh probably would mm. probably painfully. Oh man. Okay, yeah, I was going to so say I, it would probably be badly, badly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, I'm sure it would. It's just I, I know my luck, you know. Uh, nobody. Well, you're into organic, about the you're big into bear organic gardening, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. I don't know why I got on. You know what? It, it was weird. I, I was on a grilling kick before this, and then I, I so I have eight grills in the backyard. I have all these grills and smokers and stuff. And then I'm like, well, we need something to put on the grill. And my wife's like, we're not getting cattle. And I'm like, I know. The yard's not that big. And um, and I would name them, and we couldn't eat them. So we got in the garden. No, 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 I no, no. It. You never name them. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, can't do that. Can't do that. Oh man. So anyway, I want to let everybody know um, we have links up, ladies and gentlemen, to all of our guests. Um, we went through um, uh, there, there's website links, there's social media links, and whatnot. And I will say this, and I know I preach on it on, on the show a lot. If you like something, if you like an indie film or an independent band or a band or you know, just somebody who makes really good cookies or something, you know, you're like, man, that's the best loaf of bread I ever had. Um, like and share their social media. It helps with the al- – we live in an algorithm world. It helps get more eyes and ears on those. And um, so definitely like and share uh, social media and check out their other work and whatnot. All of our guests are just, you know, they're all cool turned up to 10. That's why they're, we have them on the show, you know. They're awesome. And um, it's amazing. Now, these books – that we're talking about the rock and roll nightmare book series. Um, they're available on paperback, ebook, audio, and we have a link up and I don't know why we don't have the Amazon link on our show page. That's going to change in about five minutes, folks. Uh, it will be there. And um, that follows when this is converted to a podcast, all these links do. You can click right on it and get to right where you need to be. Um, but very, very cool. 
Now, uh, as we're ending the end of the show here, folks, do you, we want to go through real quick and, and uh, is there a project uh, coming up that you would like to mention or anything you'd like? Um, why don't we start with you, Ruthann? Um, thanks, Jamie. Um, actually, I do have a couple of really cool things shimmering for later this year by invitation um, that I think are going to be sensational. The authors that I'm included with in these anthologies, um, sometimes I just pinch myself because they're they're so exceptional. They're people that I admire and read, and I, I'm very lucky to be included in those. Um, there's a couple of open calls that I'm looking forward to submitting to, um, and I do have another invitation, and I'm, I'm doing a crossroads story for that. It's kind of an urban legend theme, and I, I've decided to go with the crossroads, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing that one. Nice. Um, and then in January of next year, my first solo novel will be published um, by D&T Publishing. It's called The New Girl's Patient, and I'm super excited about that one, and I am working on kind of a paranormal gothic trilogy, and we'll see if I can wrangle that oh, one wow. with somebody next year. But lots of good things coming, um, and and I, it's been a delight to be with you, and I've really enjoyed chatting with everybody. It's been loads of fun. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. Mark, how about you? Um, I know you've got uh, an Amazon deal with uh, your sci-fi book series and whatnot. Um, tell us a little bit about that and any upcoming stuff that you have. Well, yeah, I guess the next two um, anthologies, I'm in, I'm in one that comes out August 2nd edit, uh, from Dark Peninsula Press, edited by Eric Sundquist. Uh, that, I have a story in there called Killer of Hogs about a veterinarian who has to like you know, slaughter 100 mobsters. And then I've got um, Sentinel Creatives uh, from South Africa. I have a thing in their next anthology, which is called Lovecraft in a Time of Madness. And it's all Lovecraft-inspired stories. And I wanted to write something. I would love hate relationships oh, wow. with Lovecraft because of his, um, I guess, outright and naked bigotry. So I wanted to write a story that <laughs> was of cosmic horror, but was also kind of maybe had characters he would have hated. So it's about, it takes mm. place in the spiritualist movement in New York in the 1890s. And it's, you know, it's oh, about cool. sun killing monsters and all that. Um, so that's coming out. Uh, I think they're shipping at the end of September. Um, they're really great. And both those editors, Mitchell Lutti and uh, Eric Sundquist were fantastic to work with. And I, uh, I guess my next book is called Wraith. I think that's next year. Um, that's all I got. Thank you. Like, uh, nice. Thank you for having us on the show. Um, it was very fun to chat. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now, Leanne, I know um, you know you mm-hmm. don't got hardly anything happening. Just you know, editing a book <laughs> or something. No, I'm teasing you. Um, <laughs> tell us what you've got going on and coming up. Um, well, I, what was kind of cool was I listened to you on. on Tuesday and Graydon talked about mm. how we were waiting for two books that were going to be coming out. They actually came out within those two days. So we wow. just had a, a 11 hour historical romance come out and then a like six hour kind of urban fantasy werewolf kind of really rad story coming. Um, but I, I'll have to shoot you our website because we kind of have a plethora of books that we're always uh, voicing. But rumor has it the 70s edition of the Rock and Roll Nightmares. We'll be out in audio soon. <laughs> so nice. I believe it's uh, awesome. 
probably a couple weeks away. So keep an eye out for that one as well. Uh, we, we also are dabbling with a couple of, uh, of story ideas in our copious spare time that we want to write. Uh, it's just a matter of getting <laughs> through the contract first. <laughs> so it's just one of those things. I mean, we all are kind of sound like a lot of doers, so we're just doing um, and very jazzed by it. So. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Leanne, with that work yeah. ethic, it's going to be just very quickly you're going to get that AC unit for the uh, the outdoor studio there. Oh, you I, know? I hope, I hope. Keep I hope, at it. I hope. I, and maybe my it's going to happen. I'm telling you. On the fa- on the family member said, you know, your grandpa had something that cooled an area out in the cabin by the lake. And I got this, this picture of this thing. It was like, maybe this is why I'm here right now. I was like, to be able That's to get right. tea. <laughs> so thank That's you. I, right. here's, you know, light many candles, say many prayers. We'll get that AC for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, so I think sooner than later. Yeah. Oh, now, Darren, <laughs> I have to ask, what, what, what's on in, in the pipe for you coming out? Well, uh, a lot actually and the main thing is this movie that Stacy and I did which we just finished post-production on and uh, it's okay. called The Second Age of Aquarius and there's another example of something that Stacy and I wrote together as a story it was in one of her previous anthologies we liked it so much in, uh, that we decided to write a movie and do it um, and uh, the story is about uh, a fictitious rock star named Russell Aquarius who died on stage at the Gettysburg mu- mu- Music Fest in 1970, only to be yeah. recreated by this female coder hacker person um, in today's day and age. And so he's a computer avatar. He won't get the fuck out of her house. <laughs> he's just <laughs> a movie. <laughs> He's a nice sex toy for her, but beyond that, he's got mm. the 60s kind of like, you know, um, uh, you know, chauvinistic type of vibes. He treats her like a groovy oh, yeah. and whatnot. It's a fun, funny film, and it's going to be coming out, once we get our distribution, it's going to be coming out with the soundtrack of music that I've written, all that are supposed Ooh. to be from the 1960s. I wrote them. Uh, and did them in Nashville recorded with old 1960s equipment, so it sounds like it's from that era. Wow. So, so the movie oh, wow. out with that, plus a companion book that the actors in, in the in – this we, we all wrote a story in the book, and it pertains to some of the, the, the characters that are in the second age of Aquarius in the movie. So you should be checking it out in the next year or so. It'll be out somewhere, and uh, we're really nice. excited. I like to call it the the uh, the ultra low budget comedy you've been waiting for. Uh-huh. <laughs> nice. nice. Well, I'm sure we're gonna have you back, uh, Darren, and everybody actually uh, with Great. these projects. They all sound very exciting and. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. I really like um, doing the, these these book episodes and whatnot. It's it's kind of new for me, and and it's um, it's we're getting great feedback on it. Uh, the one we did the other day, we just the the advertisers are very happy, and um, and that's great. You know, <laughs> I can answer the phone now uh, without preparation. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> Well, Jamie, and, and I, I think I think something. Um, 
I think there's a, a book a book signing day coming up in August. Um, some of y'all are taking mm. part of. Oh yes, yeah. uh, um, is is I anybody believe. here doing it? I think it's at mm-hmm. Dark Delicacies in Burbank yeah. in August. I think everybody who's local is jumping in on that, which sounds like a lot of fun too for all three editions. Uh, yeah. Yes, if That's you want to meet some of us, we'll be there. It's in Burbank, so it's really easy. <laughs> so, which I'm in Burbank, I should explain that. Um, so. Oh, yeah. Burbank's crazy. Yeah. I remember the first time. Well, you know, that's that's a story for another episode. Um, <laughs> it it might have involved um, – no, I got I got hired – okay, I'll tell you really quick, but you guys will laugh, okay, especially good. those who know Burbank. Okay, so I got hired. I get hired a lot for, you know, weird stuff. And um, they wanted me to do, come in, see their location, and then do some paintings for it and whatnot. Cool. That's great. Um, you know, I love that kind of work. So I go, and it's, a, it's one of the whips and chains type places, um, you know, with there probably was uh, steel welded collars in there. I don't know. I, not this place. <laughs> it was the weirdest th- thing I'd ever went to. So I go into this place. And it looks like I'm going to, I don't know, some special effects thing or something. You know, it's just like an industrial building, you know. And Mm -hmm. I go into this place uh, with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, We had driven up there from San Diego. And and I go in, and it's like a big fake latex garden in there, like fake trees (laughs) and and all stuff made out of rubber. And the people are dressed up like bees. And the one gal, the main gal who runs the place, is dressed up like a big flower. And I said, well, this is different. This is something I have never even seen or heard about anywhere. And I need to get the hell out of here. And then she told me how much they were going to pay me to do the paintings. And I said, okay, um, yeah, so you want floral? And, uh, you know, <laughs> did the work. Uh, it all worked out. Were they playing the, I didn't the go blind melon, opening. no rain song? Oh. oh. I'm telling you, that's what it reminded me of almost. It was very strange. Um <laughs> It just goes to show that that was my first Burbank experience. Um, and then I went to, uh, I, I, where did I go? The Tonight Show after that. That was my second one. So Burbank offers a wide range of things to do, you, ladies and gentlemen. That's what all I'm you saying. You never know. <laughs> you know, you never know in Burbank. I love it. I got every person. That's right. I, I love it. <laughs> Oh, I'm still thinking about latex flowers and bees. There's a story there too. <laughs> I know. It's just thinking the same thing. Wow. How do you Jeez, figure out that's what does like it for you? A... You know, I didn't. I, I you don't know? know. You know, everybody figured something. So I don't know. It's crazy. Anyhow, everybody well, on that note, each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine that credible set? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in. And, um, hey, I wanted to do an announcement. Um, we've been talking in the last uh, couple episodes back. I had mentioned that Germany was in the lead for uh, listeners of our show. Well, Germany, you kind of laid down a little bit. France is overtaking you. So um, bonjour to all of our new French listeners. Thanks for listening. I don't know why everybody in France, or not everybody, but a lot of people in France are listening to the show, but I really appreciate it. Very, very cool. Okay, folks, we will, um, what is today? <laughs> it's everybody. Thursday, so yeah, we'll be back tomorrow, and uh, we've got a fantastic singer-songwriter on uh, tomorrow from Toronto, so uh, she's got a new single out called The Gambler, check that out, uh, we will see you then, 
Everybody, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedules to be on the show. I really appreciate it. You guys all rock. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Loved Amazing. it. Bees knees. Thanks. <laughs> the bees knees. That's funny. Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli, Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio.